Hello and welcome back to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm George Stahl, uh, joined today with Scott Reel and Seth Abram, who's going to need an introduction because he's a brand new voice here. And we've been away for a while, so some things have remained the same, some things have changed. But let me tell you a little bit about Seth before we jump into the content, what we're going to talk about today. But Seth, he is, uh, he's a musician. He's a pastor. He's a book lover. Um, he's a husband to Sarah and a dad of four kids. And he has given a Scott or given Scott real here, a great run for his money is the best looking guy here on the <laughs> podcast. Well, actually they're both, they're both great looking. <laughs> they're just from completely different eras. but, uh, he is also the co-host of Fathom's Enneagram podcast, which uh, Scott and Ann and I love and, and listen to and we're fans of. He's a creator uh, for Integrated Enneagram, but now his newest role is with Restore as the director of outreach. So we are so glad to have him with us joining this team. And so, Seth, say hello. <laughs> Hi, it is really, really good to be here. I'm so glad to be a part of this and, and to join y'all. Really grateful. He is a Ohio boy, uh, like Scott and I, so he's going to fit right in. And we were just talking, we've come a long way, but we all have a long way to go. So, <laughs> But Scott, um, I, I'm sure it's meant a lot, Seth, joining the team. Uh, how, how meaningful has that been? Oh my gosh, for you? it's been a game changer for us, uh, Seth brings all this experience with the churches and and through his music, his travels, we and just his knowledge of the Enneagram and our process, we feel that um, he was a godsend and we definitely recognize that and our plans are to grow this across the world and that's the young man that's going to do it. So, welcome Seth. <laughs> well, we're so glad to have him and uh he, uh, like I said, he's a book lover, so he consumes books like most of us breathe air. So uh, <laughs> you will find out very soon. He just pulls these things out of books that just go to the heart and, and move us. So he's going to be just a wonderful addition uh, to the podcast. Well, Seth, Anna isn't with us today. She's on vacation. So can you help us? We got some things coming up that you just want to share. The Our listeners can know some of the things that are coming down the pipe. What are some of those things? Yeah, yeah. It, it, very, very excited about, um, you know, one of the main things we do here at Restore is eight weeks of a, of a group together. So th this is our, these are our summer term offerings. We've got actually nine different groups over the next, uh, starting in August. For those August and September, we've got nine groups going on that you can be a part of. So um, we have, uh, just to name these briefly, um, we've got a Monday lunch group. We have a Monday evening group. We have a Tuesday evening group. We have a Wednesday lunch. Uh, we have a Wednesday evening. We have a Thursday evening. Those are all through for our um, journey to freedom uh, experience. And then we also have three other groups going through our journey of transformation book as well. But yeah, you can find out more information and register for those all on our website. If you go to restoresmallgroups.org. And then Scott, we got the 21st celebration of hope coming up it's hard to believe it's a month earlier this year so september 14th at the loveless mm -hmm. barn is our 21st celebration hope where we celebrate the hope and healing of christ through all of our groups from around the world we have 
our staff again coming from Africa and this year also from Central America. And we have stories and testimonies of changed lives. It's going to be an incredible evening of hope and inspiration. Uh, and again, you can go to our website. You can get your seat. And uh, we sure would love to have you join us. Uh, so that's September 14th, Celebration Hope, Loveless Barn. Well done. Today, we've been away for a while, so it's glad to be back. I hope all of you are doing well, wherever you're listening from, having a great summer. But uh, let me kind of pick up where we left off. Uh, Scott has written a new book called Journey of Transformation, and it's a part two of Journey to Freedom. So back, I don't even know what it was, guys. It was at the beginning of the year. Uh, we started recording and just taking each of the chapters of this new book and kind of highlighting them. And so uh, today we want to talk about how to be a choice architect. And everywhere you go in the world, the world is designed to aim our thoughts or to influence our decisions. And a perfect example of that is the potato chip aisle <laughs> at the grocery store. They are designed in such a way to get our attention, to get us buy thing, to buy things that we didn't think we were going to buy when we went in. And so the world's just designed like that. Retail spaces and stores are designed to uh, get us to make choices. And so we want to talk about what if we made a choice to be our own choice architects for our lives? What if we looked at our unique, authentic selves more deeply? Thomas Merton said this, he said, nothing is more important on which all of our existence, peace, and happiness depends than just knowing ourselves more deeply. So what if we could design a system for our lives, that's what we want to talk about today, of becoming our own choice architects for making wise decisions, getting us to more thriving enjoy in living. So we want to talk about that. So Scott, you say we start here in the book. You say we start by creating a system of grace, which is more than behavioral modification. Um, so let's talk about that. Uh, don't focus on behavior. You say focus on being and who we're becoming. Talk to us yeah. a little about that. I mean, if you've been around me for the last six months, you would know that that's the word that um, I feel like God has brought in front of me, and that is the word becoming, of being. And um, what I heard before, that it's it's the path, it's, it's not our intention that's going to determine our destination. So getting myself into a process of becoming this man, and for me it's been, um, I saw some weaknesses in my faith and my hope, and also my self-love. And I felt like God has given me an opportunity to become a man who has deeper faith, uh, is overflowing with hope, and has an abundance of love, especially towards himself and his life. And so um, our society kind of is always pointing us towards getting things and doing things before we ever become it. And uh, I think that and it doesn't matter how old you are. And that's when I realized that I'm, at this age, at this stage of my life, take time, a period of time to really focus on becoming um, this man. And then I will be able to make much better choices. Um, and, and I'm talking about choices for all aspects of our lives. And, and I think that uh, there's a lot of positivity in that for our listeners and for people who go through the book that, you know, if we focus on becoming uh, as... Shakespeare said, to thine own self be true. Um, you know, let's, who is that? Who, you know, how many of us even really know and have taken the time for that inner journey 
of becoming our true self, our authentic self, and to really love that person and then to live the life through that vision. So that's really what I was looking at. Thank you. The becoming means that we we haven't arrived yet. Mm. This isn't about behavioral modification, but it is about growth. And it is about, you know, I would think looking at ourselves, um, it's hard to know yourselves without accepting mm-hmm. some of the things about you you wish were not the way they are, right? I mean, isn't that, isn't that where this begins? So becoming is a kind of acknowledging, hey, here's where we're at. Here's where I'm at. And it's only until we can genuinely accept where we're at where we could begin to find and develop discernment to know what part of us needs crucified, right? Mm -hmm. And which part of us we're to embrace as an important part of self. So Seth, like the process of becoming is both rewarding and puts us in a place of great vulnerability to to look more honestly and deeply at at ourselves, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, That process of becoming, you know, I think um, one of the things that I love this concept of becoming a choice architect um, in line with of the idea of becoming, because it reminds me of a, another quote from Carl Jung, who says that the world will ask you who you are, and if you don't know, the world will tell you. Mm-hmm. And so that is like what happens when you are not a choice architect yet. Why your brain is wired to go with the systems that are already in place. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to turn right as soon as I do, and mm-hmm. look right at where you want me to buy the thing that you said it right there on purpose. You know, um, and the world is set up that way. And so if we don't know who we are, we're going to live in the way that the world tells us we should be. So yeah, it requires beginning to recognize the parts of ourselves that maybe are out of alignment with who we want to be, I think. You know, kind of becoming like you said you said the word system, which mm-hmm. is I I love because systems inherently aren't uh good or bad, I don't think. But there are systems that are in place. It's so it's becoming aware of the systems that that are operating in us without our awareness, so that we can become, you know, we can start making more choices uh, as we keep we keep talking about. And I also just love that you you mentioned this idea of of uh, welcoming or or or, or um, being okay with certain parts of our, ourselves. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and it's mm-hmm. it reminds me of uh, Carl Rogers says that the curious paradox is that until we accept ourselves just as we are, then and only then can we change. Yeah. So yeah, I do think there there that requires some kind of vulnerability and availability to to embrace who we are right now in order to become who we're trying to become. Yeah. And I, I will note that you just had two quotes in the first ten minutes of this <laughs> yeah, podcast set. So no, no, they, they were powerful too. So <laughs> I told you folks they they just kind of roll out of his heart. David Brenner, who I, I know, Seth, you you love to and, and read. Mm-hmm. He says, it in, it's in the depths of yourself that God waits to meet you with transforming love. Mm. And so uh, I think, Scott, this is what I'm wanting you to maybe help us understand that becoming and embracing who we are isn't ignoring things that need transformation or healing or growth in our life. It isn't like a positive mindset is just ignoring the things that we need to grow in or we need healing in, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a deeper awareness of who we are and how we're already loved, but also looking at, oh yeah, I I could do better. And there is a grace, and, and I want to talk a little bit about that. You said in the book, you talked about there's a grace. The system of grace is what actually guides us. And it's kind of what Brenner is saying there, that 
It's at the depths of ourselves when we really get in touch with that. That's where we meet God's transforming love. That's when things really begin to come alive in us, right? Yes, and I don't, you know, without grace, and especially the way that I define grace, um, I don't think it's possible for us to really take that look, that inner look. Um, You know, grace is what invites me to uh, build awareness of you know who I really am, but but also see just where where have you been going? I think that's what I was like. What you were saying earlier, George, that you know where am I? You know that's what Father Keating said was the definition of the human condition. Where are you? Where are mm-hmm. you going? Who are you becoming? Who are you? Um, and uh, and I, it's, and again, I, I keep emphasizing it. Maybe it's because my age, but it doesn't matter how old you are to stop and take this period of time with with God and through that grace, really look inside ourselves. Uh, um, Carl Jung said that um, he, who dream, he who looks outward dreams, but he who looks inward awakens. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm finding that this time of really looking inward, which is a good name for a podcast, you know, Searching Inward, is... Um, it really takes great courage, and uh, and it takes a lot of grace. I was just reading some stuff to Seth earlier this morning, just a recognition of how many mistakes I've made in my life, how many flaws I have, how many weaknesses. Um, and I don't, without grace, I don't know if it's possible for us to take that type of honest look, but mm. to actually see how examining my weaknesses, my flaws, my mistakes could be the beginning of a breakthrough for me to a new life and to to my true self. And Voskamp says that sometimes things have to break completely apart for something better to be built. Do not be afraid of broken things. It can be the beginning of the best things, of better things. And that, to me, is the message of grace. Let's look, let's see, let's take an honest appraisal of where you've been and where you've been going. And, and so... Uh, again, I'm going to challenge uh, Seth on how many quotes we can do, but um, <laughs> yeah. it, yes. So, but you anyway. guys are like siblings in rivalry in every way, right? <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> you guys complement each other so well. But um, Grace, or Grace, that I want to uh, Seth. You had a great definition of this, but Scott, what's interesting to me is that is a different way to think about grace. Mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes we think of grace as this thing that just covers up the the ugly parts of us that we would rather not deal with. But you're saying, no, grace is this transforming kind of love and um, power that helps us look more deeply at places that need transformation. That, that's a completely different way of thinking about it. When I was studying kenosis and mm-hmm. theosis, and kenosis to me, which is the most difficult part, where we empty out the old, the tired, the things that are harmful, the things that are not true, but those things that are really ingrained in us, they said it's even t- grace that gives us the ability to to be active in kenosis. To me, it's just, it's the mo- again, Gerald May saying that grace is the most powerful force in the universe. I believe it's because it's, the message is it does not matter where you've been, what your weaknesses are, what your struggles are, in those places, uh, if you invite me, um, it can be redeemed. It can be transformed. Uh, and again, without awareness, there could be no transformation. So, 
And I just don't believe that we, without grace, we're going to have the strength to go there because it's, it's uh, our ego is just going to be too strong. And I think it's grace and humility that gives us a vulnerability to be truly honest about how did I end up here? Why am I here? I've been here before. I seem to be repeating some patterns in my life. Let's, let's look. That's let's, grace. That's grace, grace helps you see that with a more hopeful outlook. Yeah. Seth, uh, talk to us about your definition of grace. For me, it came out of a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago. But to sort of set it up, uh, one way that I've heard Dallas Willard describe grace or clarify it is that it's not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. And so with that groundwork laid, I would, I would say that grace is the practice of opening to receive who we are. Mm. Opening to receive who we are. Yeah. So maybe there's beloved, a... Beloved, which is beloved. We are yeah. loved yeah. as we are. Would you say this, a, a false way of achieving our uniqueness would be to try to create it as opposed to receive it? Yeah. Absolutely. That, Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. So... Uh, which is what the ego is kind of trying to do. It's trying to construct a way of, of proving my value and my worth. Yeah. Manufacturing it. Yeah. So the beautiful thing about this kind of grace isn't that it postures you toward earning. It's like personhood is not an accomplishment. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. It's something that that's received. So the kind of grace we're talking about is something that opens your heart and your being in some beautiful way. So uh, receiving that grace gives us the ability to receive who we are. Mm-hmm. Wow, definitely, yeah. And in that word, going back to becoming, I think of the the uh, that already not yet idea, because that's kind of what it means to be us to be to live with a human condition is to live in tension of already I am uh, beloved, uh, but I am not fully done. I am both. I am already not yet. That's what it means. You know, we're always becoming. We'll never not stop becoming. So I, I just think that's that's how you manage and handle and and hold the weight of of uh, becoming is through grace. Yeah, and and don't, would you guys agree that that the word becoming is very hopeful? Um, yeah, that the for word sure. the word growth is in it, and and that I wanted to say about grace. I think grace invites me to grow. Mm. It's it's a message is doesn't we're gonna we're gonna grow through your struggles your weaknesses your challenge um, and anytime I, I feel that I'm growing I feel hopeful and whenever I feel hopeful it really keeps me alive uh, within time I think of so many people I've met in Restore over the years I think that's what they come into the groups hoping to find is can I make a new beginning. How do I, how do I become the person that I truly want to be? And I believe it's grace that invites that pathway. I love that. Uh, I just wanted to piggyback off of that. That yeah, there's the concept of cheap grace that I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer talked about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I can just do anything because I'm going to be forgiven. It doesn't matter. And I think that's that's the cheap version of grace. Where I'm I'm with you, Scott. That it is moving us forward. It's it's kind of inherently built in it is this invitation to keep growing because it, it accepts you where you are, but it doesn't leave you there. Mm, that's one of my favorite things. It accepts me where I am, but it doesn't leave me here. Part of grace is subtraction. And 
more than addition. It's not what are we trying to add our lives. It burdens us down more, but what ways of thinking, what ways of, you know, going about our lives could we let go of to just find more joy, more living? So Scott, you talk about the reward of a new system and you talk about it as identity change in the book. And it's like this actual inner experience, you say. Mm -hmm. And so talk a little about this. You say we, uh, the reward of this new system of grace, of embracing this, we're seeing differently. We begin thinking differently. Um, we begin behaving differently. So that's the crazy thing because it starts off with, it's not about behavioral modification, but the result of this new system of grace that, yeah, we actually begin behaving differently. So uh, how's that all work? Well, that's, gosh, you've just really spoken the whole premise to the book is what I came to believe is that the foundational paradigm that I was operating from in my life, which for me was always a shame-based, fearful, you know, inadequate, that that paradigm, that belief created the lens in which I saw myself and, I, and saw everything in my life. And then when I studying Covey's material about 70 years ago. That's when this idea started to come for this book. I realized that he said that we're always going to be just striking at the symptoms until we strike at the root cause, which is the paradigm, which is what ultimately we believe, because that creates the lens. And so he says we, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. So becoming, I, I really believe that it goes first what we believe, First we believe it, and then we will see it. And then when we see it, we will become it. And then when we become it, we will live it. It will become our destiny. And that that and and again, going back to grace, grace invites that whole that whole process and permeates that whole process. And so I can I find that I have this new little quote I put on one of my whiteboards in my house that I read before I go out the house every day. Who are you going to become today? Today is building day. Who are, what are you, who are you going to build today? And, and let me tell you, a day is like eternity in this process because the old is always rearing its head and the old beliefs and the old patterns of how we see things, um, those are so deeply entrenched in our neural pathways. So, it takes a real mindfulness, and, and, and it takes, again, a tremendous amount of grace uh, to say, no, I'm not going to go back to that belief. Um, I'm going to speak over that belief now. I'm going to start to see this thing differently in me, and I'm going to become it. And, um, and it's progress, not perfection. Um, it's, it's two steps forward, one step back. But sometimes, I swear, it's one step forward, about three steps back, but it's a, it is a process, and again, by focusing on that and sustaining it in a in an atmosphere and environment of grace, I'm able to make progress. And in the last six months, I have, I have probably seen the greatest significant personal growth of my life, and my circumstances of my life have not changed at all, but I am changing. And I think that's encouraging, and you're, I'm almost 100 years old, so it's like, you know, it's, <laughs> but I tell you, it is amazing how when you start to do this self-reflection and do this work, I go all the way back to things in my early childhood that are still there, and that, I'm, that have formed beliefs, 
It takes, I like the word you guys used earlier, effort. It takes, it takes a sustained, mm-hmm. consistent effort. But gosh, is it worth it? I will never be who I was six months ago. And, uh, and I'm, in the next six months, I'll be even further down the path by having a conscious effort to, to be to, for this path. Seth, uh, talk to us a little about how the difference between earning and effort works in your life um, or in others peop- other people's lives that you witness to, because it could seem very similar. You know, it's an easy analogy for me or just reality for me to bring it back to um, my kids and being a dad. I kind of in- innately in you know the the practice of 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 uh, having a child is that we might have just added an explicit rating to this now um, is <laughs> um, no kind of innately you know born in what it means to have children is to be a parent right to be a dad and so there's there's nothing that I do that proves that I am dad it just is true because. Um, I have kids, right? Wow. I I yeah. can I can prove I can I can try and prove to my kids that mm-hmm. I am uh, a worthy dad, or I, that I'm a, a good dad. Um, but what is just always true is that I am dad. That that will never not be even even when I don't see my kids, even when uh, they move out of the house. It's just I will always be a father, and there's nothing I can do to take that away or to prove that. Uh, just the, that it's more true, it just or less true. It just is, and and I think that is what our identity in God is all about. You know, I think our relationship with knowing that is what can change. Like what Scott was na- naming, like his circumstances haven't changed, but his relationship with his circumstances have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that is, I think, proof of uh, growing one's ability to see who they who they truly truly are. So for me, it's like sometimes maybe I will miss something that I, I thought I should have done better if I was truly a good dad. But the, the, the truth is, is I will never not be a dad no matter what I do or don't do. It's just that's what's true of me. Wow, that's, that's such uh, a great analogy. You, you yeah. guys, Seth was saying that, I kept thinking about Viktor Frankl and mm-hmm. who I quote all the time anyway, but... And man's first meaning when he makes that powerful statement that that when circumstances will not change, we must change. Mm. And he, that's what he was talking about. Sometimes it's not we can't keep asking life what we want of it, but sometimes life asks us what it mm. is demanding of us. And so, in the book, I quote Richard Rohr, which is could be my one of my favorite of his sayings. But he says this. At this point, God becomes more a verb than a noun, more a process than a conclusion, more an experience than a dogma, more a personal relationship than an idea. There is someone dancing with you, and you are not afraid of making mistakes. That, to me, is a beautiful definition of grace. Grace invites us into this inner journey, for that self-examination to build that awareness. Again, you know, how we've always heard that, that often we show up for the process of transformation asking God to change our circumstances, but most of the time he doesn't, but he uses our circumstances 
to change us. And uh, I think there's just a lot of wisdom in that if we will embrace grace, grace is the greatest inv- invitation. Let's let's go on this journey together and let's let's see where you are and where you've been and where we can grow. You you ended this uh, chapter with seeing Christ as the ultimate choice architect. Yeah, could Christ be that dance partner? He is that that, that, that we dance with without fear of making yeah. a mistake. Um, because I think we see Christ as someone who makes us more human, not less human. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people's image or understanding of Christ is you know something that's outside of this world or the experience of being human, but Christ actually invites us into this most beautiful way of being human. And so the Christ presence is a helpful presence that guides and directs our choices of being. So you, you had this question, which I thought was really good. You said, what are you and Christ going to create today? Or even using Roar's statement, how are you and Christ going to dance today mm-hmm. um, you know, to make something beautiful or build or bring something beautiful into existence? Yeah, so go out that door. I want to. Who are who? Who are Christ and I going to co-create today? Co-create. That's an important landing spot for this chapter because we don't choice architects isn't putting our finger up in the air and seeing which way the winds blow. It's like we have we have a pretty good guide. Yeah, and, and George, Seth, you know, again going back to some of the things that Brene Brown said, but the creativity is the center she says, of hope, because it empowers a person. So if I cannot change my circumstances, where's my power? It's in creating growth in me. Mm. And then I will respond differently. That is where our hope lies. If we focus on trying to change circumstances, we are in harm's way. But if we're becoming... Then we're on our way, right, Scott? Oh. And Jesus gave glory to God by being himself. I love I think that. That's what makes him the ultimate choice architect because he did it so freely and so yes. joyfully, deeply, truly, and consistently. So that's why he's a great model. And uh, Thomas Merton says, uh, to be a saint is to be myself. <laughs> Seth, any final word from you on this? Um how about Merton? I know he's a favorite of yours, but to be a yeah. saint means to be myself. I, like, wow. That's one of my favorites from him. Yeah. 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 To be a saint uh, is to be myself. For, for me, like that is another way to say that for me is to, to be who I am is to incarnate love, what my capacity is to be loving in the world or to realize my dadness <laughs> just mm-hmm. as I am. Scott said something earlier about some sort of describing grace as like not afraid to make mistakes because the thing is, is after once I've made the mistake, it still didn't change the core of who I am. So it's trusting that who wow. I am is already. And then that, again, that doesn't um, stop me from doing anything. Um, that's, that's why, that's how you can decipher the difference in my mind between real grace and cheap grace mm-hmm. is because out of knowing who I am, there is a responsiveness to doing more loving things rather than um, not knowing who I am. I'm trying to, I'm reacting from a limited place and I'm trying to defend something, trying to prove something. There is responsiveness and there is creativity. And that is, that is the proof, I think, of receiving who I am. 
remembering I, that I am beloved, that I am loved just as I am. Well, uh, friends, you've, you've heard it here today. Um, you are loved exactly as you are. There is an availability of a new system of grace that um, you're invited to open your heart to that will not only show you the authentic self and the best parts of you, but will also give you the ability to look at the parts that need healing and need to be touched in some way to bring about more of what it means to, to live more fully. So we all can become our own choice architect within the system of grace. That's the argument we're making. Um, living from a more authentic vision of who we are, which we believe leads to a fuller life. And although every one of us is on a different path, we're all traveling the same human journey. So no one of us has to, to go it alone. So visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org to learn more about online and in-person groups you can join. We'd love to have you uh, join us or connect with us along the way. But over every mountain, there is a path and the future rewards those who discover it and press on. So stay on the path and take care, friends. Mm-hmm.